Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we are thankful in this dark world full of false teachers, Lord, that you are greater than he who is in the world. You are greater than Satan and all of his minions. And we thank you, Lord, that you have redeemed us out of the darkness and brought us into your glorious light. Father God, I pray today that you would open our eyes and our hearts to hear your word today. Lord, by the power of your spirit and the power of your word, I pray that you would transform our hearts and our minds. Lord, let us conform to your word. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can open with me to Galatians, Galatians chapter 1. Continuing our study this morning, Galatians chapter 1, we'll be looking at verses 6 through 10 this morning. You know, we need to heed sound warning. We need to heed sound warning. In 1980, the volcanic Mount St. Helens was... It was becoming volatile. Uh, eruption was inevitable. In fact, one particular specialist declared that eruption of Mount St. Helen was 100%. So it was inevitable to come. At that time, there was a man by the name of Harry Randall Truman. No, not our former president, Harry S. Truman. This is Harry Randall Truman. Harry Randall Truman, he owned a house there at the foot of Mount St. Helen, and his house was right in the center of the most likely path for lava flow when Mount St. Helen erupted. The government, along with friends and family, they warned Mr. Truman. He needed to, to evacuate, to get out of his home, to move to another place, abandon that spot. But he refused to be moved. He refused to heed the warning. So on May 18, 1980, Mount St. Helen erupted. And the lava flow from the, the volcano flowed right where they had predicted consumed Harry Truman's house. And on May 18, 1980, Harry Randall Truman died because he failed to heed the warning. Dear friends, we need to hear the warning that Paul is proclaiming to us in the book of Galatians. In the book of Galatians, Paul is warning this church, this church who has, has been preached the gospel, they have received the, the right gospel. And now false teachers have come into this church and they have perverted the gospel. They have taught a new gospel. And here this church is abandoning the one true gospel. So Paul sounds the warning. He sounds the warning, beware, 
Beware. Beware. Now last week, we began to this study in the book of Galatians, and we saw there in Paul's salutation to the church that he laid the, the foundation, laid the groundwork, even in his greeting, even in his salutation, and he told us there, number one, there's two principles that we have to uh, hold on to if we're going to get the gospel right. The first principle is this. The gospel is defined by divine directive. The gospel is defined by divine directive. That means we get our understanding of the gospel from God's Word. It's God's Word. And not by my feelings, not by what so-and-so says, but we define the gospel by God's Word. It is God's gospel, and He tells us what His gospel is. The second principle that we, we must hold on to if we're going to get the gospel right is that the gospel is grounded in the grace of God. It is grounded in the grace of God. It's not about what I do or what I have done or will do. It is all about what God has done. God the Father willed that we be saved. God the Son came and He accomplished the work of salvation on Calvary's cross. And God the Holy Spirit, He applies salvation to us. It's all about God's grace. So as we pick up today, Paul here, he gets right into it. He gets right into it. I mean, this is something special with Paul's writings. In all of his other letters to other churches, Paul will begin with a salutation, and then he will, he will go on to a, a thanksgiving. Here's what I'm thankful for you about. I'm thankful that you did this. I'm thankful that you are doing that. I praise the Lord for you. But that's not the case in Galatians. In Galatians, Paul gets right after it. I'm astonished that you have so quickly abandoned the gospel. He gets right into it. This is so important. This is so fundamental that he gets right into it. You need to know this. He gets right into the warning. Beware, beware, beware. Dear friends, we need to hear that this morning. We need to hear his warning. And so I want us to see this this morning. Beware of false gospels that distort the true gospel in order to please men, for their end is destruction. Let me say that again. Beware of false gospels that distort the true gospel in order to please men, for their end is destruction. So I want us to hear this this morning. I want us to heed this, this warning. and Make sure we have the right gospel. Make sure we're clinging on to the right gospel. And we're going to see in this passage this morning, our passage this morning, three warnings concerning false gospels. Three warnings concerning false gospels. So let's look at our passage. If you found your place there, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, 
But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Or am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of His holy, inspired, and inerrant Word. And may He write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Now you remember, if you were here last week, you remember that uh, Paul, in writing to this church of Galatia, this, these churches in Galatia, there are several churches there, and we looked at it last week. Paul, he went and planted these churches on his first missionary journey. And so he has just planted these churches. He spent a little bit of time with them, teaching them the gospel, teaching them by God's word. And now he has come back, and he is now at Antioch, where he was sent out from. And no sooner than he gets back to Antioch, here he receives word that this church of Galatia has abandoned the true gospel that he has preached to them. They are, are adopting for themselves a new gospel that has been preached by false teachers who have come in to lead them astray. Man, isn't it curious how fast Satan works? No sooner than Paul leaves the churches, no sooner than he heads home, here comes Satan and all of his false teachers declaring a new gospel. And so we need to hear these warnings that Paul sounds for us today. He sounds it to this church, these churches, and he sounds it for us today. Three warnings concerning false gospels. The first warning that we, need to that we need to hear this morning is this. False gospels are distortions. False gospels are distortions, and you might add, of the one true gospel. They are distortions of the one true gospel. Notice what Paul says there. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. Now, I want to stop there for just a minute. And notice that word there. You're so quickly deserting. You are abandoning the one who called you by the grace of Christ. That word means to abandon one's loyalty to. Here, these, these new Christians, that the gospel has just been preached to them. And all of a sudden, here, quickly... Very quickly, they're abandoning God. They're abandoning the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are, are going AWOL. They're committing treason by allowing another doctrine, another gospel to come in. They are abandoning the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
That's what it does. That's what we do when we begin to adopt new beliefs, when we begin to add things to the gospel or or rearrange the gospel a little bit here and a little bit there. What are we doing? This is no small offense, but it is deserting God. It's abandoning God. It's committing treason against God. We need to see this. We need to recognize that. Oh, how important it is for us to get the gospel right and to hold on to the one true gospel. As it continues on there, we need to notice here, as we we think about false gospels being distortions, we need to recognize here that there's only one gospel. There's only one gospel. And he goes on to say that. You are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. Not that there is another one. You're turning to this other gospel, this other set of good news, but, but not that there is another gospel, but you're, you're turning to a lie. You're turning to a distortion. You see, friend, there is one gospel. And this is so important for us to get today. Because when we listen to the world, the world, this is the one thing that the world hates so much about Christianity. If Christianity would just change this one little thing, if Christianity would say that, oh no, there are many ways to God, there's not just one gospel, there are many ways to God, all the world would love Christianity. We would be accepted. We would be, on, we would be right up there with all of the political leaders, all of those on the left. They would love us if we would just change that one thing. If we would just say, oh no, gospel, the gospel of Jesus, that's just one way to God. But there are many ways of salvation. There are many other gospels. You see, we would be right in with the world, and the world would love us. But dear friends, make no mistake about it, there is one and only one gospel. All others are distortions. They are distortions. Notice what he says there. Not that there are different gospels, right? Not that there's another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. That word distort there means to change or to, to alter the state of something. You're right. It's not like it's, uh, it's completely new. It's not like it's completely new. These, we talked about this last week. These are, are they're, they're, uh, Judaizers. Right? Uh, they're legalists. Uh, they, they like a little bit of the gospel. They want to take a little bit of gospel. All right, you've already bought the gospel. You, you bought this whole thing about Jesus. But, but here, here's another little piece of it, something that Paul has left out. He forgot to tell you uh, it's Jesus plus the law of Moses. Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus obedience to all of the celebrations and the feasts and the festivals of the Mosaic Law. It's Jesus plus. You see, it's a distortion. It's altering it just a little bit. Just a little bit. You see, that's what false teachers like to do. False teachers, they like to take the truth. They like to take the truth and and they just distort it. They fuzz it up, right? They make it something else. Oh, there's still some attributes of the real gospel in it. 
It still kind of looks like the gospel, but it's just adding something to it. It's altering it just a little bit. But dear friends, when we alter the gospel, even a little bit, even a little bit, it's no longer the gospel. It's no longer the gospel. I remember back when I first began to work out and, and, and try to lift weights, and I wanted to you know, get big and get muscular and all those things. I was in my early 20s, so I was really hard after it to try to, to build up. And so I was a hard, you know, it was hard for me to gain weight. It always has been hard for me to gain weight, or it used to be. It's not so much anymore. Now, it's harder to get the weight off, but it used to be very hard to gain weight. So uh, back in when I first began to, to get into working out, I, I went and I bought some, some protein shakes. That's the thing we do, right? We go buy protein shakes, and if you, you take these protein shakes, then, then they'll add, pack the muscle on. That's what they're supposed to do anyway. And so I went and I bought some, some protein shakes. Now, we've come a long way in supplements, and, and so today the protein shakes, a lot of them aren't so bad, but back at then, back when I first began to, to drink the protein shakes, they were nasty. I mean, they just, the taste was just not good at all. But I found this secret. I found a secret to make the protein shakes taste good. Instead of putting two scoops of protein shake in there, you put one scoop of protein, and you take two scoops of ice cream, and you mix them up, and they're pretty good. Now, the taste is really good, but they didn't give me the desired result. See, because I altered the state of the protein. And now there was more sugar than protein. And instead of packing on muscle, what I began to see, oh, I gained some weight from it, but what I began to see is instead of packing on the muscle, I started adding fat. You see, dear friends, that's what false gospels do. Oh, they, they, they make it taste better. They make the gospel taste better to our human taste but they don't have the desired effect because there's no salvation in any other gospel. There's no salvation in any other name but the name of Jesus Christ, period. All other gospels, quote, unquote, are false gospels. They're distortions of the true gospel and have no saving power. Dear friend, we need to embrace uh, or to embrace a distorted gospel is to abandon Christ. It's to abandon the true gospel, the one true gospel. It is to abandon Christ. And Scripture warns us of this from the beginning to the end. It warns us of doing just that. De Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, at the beginning of the book, right? one of the first five books of the Bible. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Not to add to the gospel, you're not to take away from the gospel. Revelation, the end of the book, Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 through 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, 
the prophecies of this book, God will take away His share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. It's dangerous to distort the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's cling to the one true Gospel. So that's the first warning. False Gospels are distortions of the one true Gospel. Now here's the second warning. False Gospels lead to destruction. False Gospels lead to destruction. Gospel perversion is damning. Hear that. Gospel perversion is damning. Paul makes that abundantly clear. But, verse 8, but even if we, right? Even if I, Paul, Timothy, Silas, or any of these other guys who are with me, if, if one of us comes back to you and preaches another gospel, that's what he's saying. If we, or even an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Let him be anathema. Let him be damned. Let him receive the full wrath and judgment of God for sinful man's rebellion against him. Let him receive all of God's judgment upon him. Oh, that's serious. That's serious language. Let him be accursed. Let him be damned for perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul is not the only one who says this. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 tells us of what's going to happen to false prophets, false teachers. He's talking here about the Old Testament time, but false prophets also arose among the people, among Israel. Just as there were, just as there will be false prophets, false teachers among you. So it's something that happened in the Old Testament among the Old Testament saints. False prophets rose up in the Old Testament. And Peter says, and hey, look guys, that's not old news. That's going to happen to you. False teachers are going to arise among you. They're going to come out of the congregation. They're going to come out of the church. False prophets will arise among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master, that is Jesus Christ, who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Perverted gospels bring destruction upon those false teachers. All of those false teachers out there today declaring these false, phony gospels, let me tell you, friend, oh, they may drive the shiny cars, they may have all of the riches of this life, but let me tell you, their end is near and their destruction will be final. False gospels are damning to false prophets. But I want you to also notice here, they're not just damning to the false teachers and the false prophets, but they're also damning to the followers of those false teachers and false prophets. 
Jesus makes this clear, Matthew chapter 23, verse 15. He's, he here is pronouncing several woes upon the scribes and the Pharisee. Verse 15, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, that is when he becomes a follower of the message you are teaching him, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. That's what false teachers do when they win converts to themselves with their false teaching, their false gospels. They're not bringing people into the kingdom of God. They're making people a part of the kingdom of hell. And it saddens me to look across the landscape of what we'd call Christianity, even, and see many false teachers among among what we would call, what society would at least call, Christians. And they're spewing out false doctrine. They're spewing out a false gospel. And people are filling their churches, filling auditoriums to hear these false prophets and false teachers. And there are auditoriums. There are thousands upon thousands upon thousands who are buying the false teaching. They're buying the false gospel. And they're on their way straight to hell because of the gospel that they are listening to. Unfortunately, I even hear sometimes Christians who are in good, solid churches singing the praises of many of these false teachers. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you listen to. Judge what they say by God's Word. Not because it feels good, not because it it gives you what you want in life, but listen and judge by God's Word alone gospel perversion is damning yet gospel fidelity is imperative gospel fidelity is imperative notice here that paul goes on to pronounce this twice but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you let him be accursed As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. There's a reason that Paul repeats himself there. And, by the way, those two phrases, let him be accursed, or that one phrase repeated twice, let him be accursed, those are the only two imperatives in this whole paragraph. That is a voice of command. Paul's saying this is important. If anyone preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. That tells me that fidelity to the one true gospel, that is absolutely positively imperative. We must get this right. We must examine ourselves. We must look at ourselves. Is there anything in our way of thinking that is a perversion of what God tells us? there is we need to cut it loose we need to get rid of it we need to surrender ourselves and submit ourselves to God's word and his word alone false teachers 
dear friends, they're slick. They're slick. They come in and they look good. They make what they're saying sound so good. And we should expect this because even Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15, Paul notes this, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness therein will correspond to their deeds. Your friends, you need to know this. See, false teachers, they don't just come in and, and you don't just look at them and say, oh, yep, false teacher. Right? Because Satan, he doesn't come in. He's not dressed in a, a little red jumpsuit with horns out of his head. No, 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 that's not what Satan looks like. In fact, Scripture tells us that Satan was one of the most beautiful of all of the angels. And he still looks like that. And he comes to us as an angel of light. Oh, he looks beautiful. He looks trustworthy. It's what's on the inside that was transformed. It's what's on the inside that's so ugly and disgusting He looks beautiful. He looks trustworthy. But what he spews out, what comes from within, is lies upon lies upon lies. And its end is destruction. Let me tell you, false teachers, oh, they make it sound good. And they dress in the nicest of suits. And they'll tell you, oh man, if you'll just do this, God will do this for you, and and you'll have the riches that I have, right? They look good. They sound good. But you've got to judge what they say. What is their fruit? Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder that he tells you, it, it comes to pass. Right? So this is warning the Old Testament saints, if a prophet arises up among you and he even prophesies and what he says comes to pass, even if that were to take place, he looks like a prophet, he sounds like a prophet, he acts like a prophet. Nevertheless, if he says, let us go after other gods, if he distorts the gospel, if he distorts God's word, which you have not known and And he says, let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall not serve or excuse me, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him, the Lord your God. No matter what false teachers may look like, we cannot listen to them. No matter how appealing their gospel may be to our, our flesh, 
Because that's what they go for. They make it sound appealing because they want it appealing to the human flesh. It looks good. It sounds good. Nevertheless, we must not chase after them. But we must surrender ourselves to the one true gospel. For only the one true gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to save. So again, the first warning, false gospels are distortions. Second warning, false gospels lead to destruction, and I would add eternal, everlasting destruction. And the third warning that we see here, false gospel, gospels reveal devotions. False gospels reveal devotions. Look in that last verse there, verse 10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. False, false gospels reveal our devotions. You see, false gospels, they seek world approval. False gospels, they seek the world's approval. That's why he says there, for am I not seeking the approval of man or of God? Because that's what these false apostles were doing, these false prophets that were coming in to the church at Galatia. They were trying to please men. They were making it look good to men. These are Judaizers. They are Jews who were coming from Jerusalem. And they like the, the gospel a little bit. They like the, the whole Jesus movement thing. Oh, yeah, that's the new thing. Let's kind of get involved with it. But they also wanted to be appealing to, they wanted the approval of the elders and the chief priests back in Jerusalem. And so they came up with this plan. All right, to get those leaders' approval, what we'll do, we'll go ahead and we'll preach Christianity. We'll go ahead and preach Jesus, but what we're going to do, we're going to add the law to it. See, that way we will please those men back in Jerusalem. You see, that's what false gospels do. They seek to win the approval of men. They seek to approve the, whim, the approval of man. And furthermore, so, so false gospels seek accommodation. False gospels seek accommodation, to accommodate man, to accommodate our own wants and our own desires. Let's think about this for a minute. Let's think about what are some of the false gospels that are out there today. The false gospels that are, uh, quite frankly, tearing apart the American church. Well, first of all, there's the moralistic gospel. The moralistic gospel. That's what the Judaizers are preaching. They're teaching a moralistic gospel. A moralistic gospel is this, that, oh yeah, you got to have Jesus, but you got to have Jesus plus you got to act right. you got to be nice. Right? you, you got to do all of these things. What does that do? How does that, how is that appealing to man? And it's very appealing. This is one one false gospel that comes up over and over and over again why is this so appealing to men that we got to have jesus plus our own doing of something why is this so appealing and this affects mainline denominations 
This false gospel affects mainline denominations today. Mainline denominations say you got to have Jesus. Yes, that's true. God, uh, God's grace by faith in Jesus. But you also, you got to act right. You got to accomplish something on your own. You got to add your own works into the mix. Why is this so appealing? Because it is appealing to our own sinful desires because we don't want to depend upon God. The human heart, the sinful human heart, hates dependence upon God. That's why Adam and Eve sinned against God. Satan said, oh, well, no, he, he doesn't want you to partake of this fruit because if you partake of it, you'll be like him. Well, they wanted to be like God. They didn't want to depend upon God. They wanted to be like God, so they took the fruit. We're the same way. We don't want to depend upon God. You see, the one true gospel says it's all about God. It's all on His grace. It's all about what He has done. It's nothing about you. The only thing that we bring to the table is our trust in God. We just trust. There's no doing in that. We believe that God has done what He said He did. We trust in the gospel. We trust in the good news. There's no work to be done. We see a false gospel, the false gospel of moralism adds in, it's God plus your own works because we want to be independent of God. Then there's the health and wealth gospel. The health and wealth gospel says that, oh, if you have enough faith, then God will give you all of the riches you want. You'll have a help, healthy life and, and a prosperous life. You'll have all of your heart's desires in this world if you just have enough faith. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? That gospel makes God a means to an end, a means to get of the real God that people are worshiping. You'll just have a little faith. God will give you the one true God that you really want to worship. Wealth, riches, health. God's not a means to anything. God is the end. He's who we worship. Oh, God promises us health and wealth, dear friends, but not in this life. This life is marred with sin, therefore this life is, is filled with sorrows upon sorrows. But praise be to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. He offers us deliverance from this world and a hope and a promise of an eternity in His perfect kingdom. So there's the moralistic gospel, there's the health and wealth gospel, but then there's the seeker-friendly gospel. And this seeker-friendly gospel, it has affected more even Southern Baptist churches than any of the false gospels out there. See, the seeker-friendly gospel says that, well, what we need is we need to add numbers to our congregation. We need to add numbers to our church. So what are we going to do to add numbers to our church? Then what we need to do is we need to transform everything and make everything revolve around those who are outside the church, right? So, so we make our worship service all about them. It's to appeal to them so that they'll come in off of the street and into the church, and maybe then they will join us, and, and maybe then uh, they'll, they'll stick around. What's wrong with that? We should want to fill the church, right? 
We should want to fill the church up. But what's wrong with that is that makes man the center of worship. You see, when we change everything around to appeal to the lost, everything in our worship service to appeal to the lost, who are we worshiping? Not God. Definitely not God. But yet, I see church after church after church, they're falling into this trap. If we'll just appeal to them, they'll get in here and, and we'll build up our church. You see, that, that's wrong in two folds because now the focus of our work, the focus of our attention is on building us up, exalting our church up above everything else instead of exalting God. And we're doing it by exalting the lost, building everything around them so that they'll feel comfortable, they'll feel nice and warm and fuzzy when they come in, they'll get their excitement on when they come in, and maybe they'll come back. You see, it's completely man-centered. And it's false. And it leads people to devil's hell. Joel Osteen, he loves to preach his message, but his message doesn't include the blood of Jesus Christ. It doesn't include anything about sin because people might get their feelings hurt. It doesn't include any of those things. All of these health and wealth guys, they don't preach those things either. False teachers abandon the gospel to get more people into their services so that they can line their pockets more and more. Their focus is on man. Quite frankly, their focus is on themselves. They don't really don't care if they're sending thousands of people to a devil's hell as long as they get to fly in a jet, drive a Mercedes, and do all of these other worldly things. Oh, dear friend, be careful of false gospels. They're all around us. The gospel that we cling to reveals our true devotion. Do we value health and wealth? Do we value the world? Do we value Jesus Christ? What do we value? What do we value? Dear friend, let me ask you, what do you value most in life? If it's anything but Jesus, you're clinging to the wrong message. You're clinging to the wrong gospel. In our digital age, we see many scam alerts come across our computer screens. But we need to see this in light of the church. In this world, there are scam artists all around. And many of them are coming into the church and they're proclaiming a gospel that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all man-centered. And people are following in and being led straight to hell because of it. Not us. Not us. We're going to get the gospel right. We must surrender ourselves to the Word of God. We must get the gospel right. 
Now some here today, maybe you came and you don't know the gospel. Let me just lay it out for you plain and simple because the gospel is not difficult. The gospel is this, that we are all sinners. We are rebels. We rebel against God. We want to do our own thing, go our own way, and not listen to God whatsoever. If we do listen to God, we just want, we want God so that, that He can give us what we want, what we truly desire. That's all we want out of God. We have rebelled against God, and because of our sin and our rebellion against God, we deserve everlasting punishment. But God in His grace and mercy, in eternity past, He determined to save for Himself a people. So He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, who himself is God. To step down from his glory and come to this world and walk in this world, he was born of the Virgin Mary and he lived a life of complete obedience to the Father's will. And though he was without sin, he went to Calvary's cross and there he spilled out his blood and his life for my sake and for your sake in our place receiving on himself the full penalty of God's judgment for sin. And three days later, he was raised again, proving that all sin had been taken care of. And he offers you salvation. If you will only repent from your sin, that is, turn away from your life of striving away from God, Turn to God, turn to Jesus in faith and trust that He has accomplished salvation for you. Repent and believe He will save you. He invites you today to do just that. Do you believe? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just confess today that even our own hearts, our own sin nature is susceptible to false gospels. Because false gospels, they, they, they appeal to that sinful desire that's still within us. Lord, we pray for your sanctifying work, that you would remove those desires, that you would remove that appeal. Show us, O oh Lord, the faultiness of those gospels strengthen us in the power of your word will be be obedient to the one true gospel jesus christ lord if there are those today and certainly there are who have never trusted in jesus turn their hearts today lord let them trust in jesus let them know the true gospel, be saved by it. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.